Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good, Bruce. Merry Christmas. Yeah, compliments of the season to you. you got to check out my Grinch tree that I got here. <laughs> well, that's what that is. I got, see, he's got an Oilers logo and everything. I like it. I like it. Blue <clears throat> and orange and copper and, you know, and and Grinchy just kind of to keep the, uh, okay. keep the local tradition going, I guess. Oh. Today on the Cult of Hockey podcast, Bruce will answer, answer six questions in total. And we're starting out with what was your best surprise of the 21-22 season to date? Best surprise, Bruce. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm going to kind of be winging this. I just got in the door, but I, I think I'll have to go with uh, uh, Stuart Skinner being a pleasant surprise in terms of uh, being a lot more NHL ready than he was a year ago and uh, uh, bringing you know, quality quality net mining. Maybe the, the team hasn't quite had the results uh, that they should have when he's been in net because sometimes nice, the team hasn't played that well in front of him, but Skinner himself has been just fine and uh, may represent may represent an internal solution to a position of need, which has been a, a, a desperate, uh, uh, well, it's been a shortcoming of the organization as a whole is to bring in these internal Develop, play, developing players into positions that they need, and uh, Skinner looks like he may be one. I agree. Great surprise. Um, he was, you know, as recently I think as this summer, when his name came up on Oilers Now, and you and, and someone might want to fact check me on this, but I think on Oilers Now, the the word has been for some time they're not they don't really see an internal solution long term in net for the organization. Like they don't see within the prospect pool someone who's going to step up and be the number one D-man one day, and um, they got it. They now have that person. There's a general consensus that Stuart Skinner next year, sh- of all three of these goalies, he's the one you want on the orders for sure. And we'll see who the other one is. We'll see if it's Mike Smith, um, if he can come back or not. But Stuart, Stuart Skinner... He's one of them, and we'll find out who, <laughs> excuse me, who the other one is. So, Well, it's very nice that he's one of them at a cap hit of 750000 I think he's at the minimum, and he signed for two years. So they, they really got him, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that could really help resolve uh, a major headache that they have on the salary cap front. That uh, they could, If he's deemed good to go, uh, that's major cap savings uh, on, uh, you know, the current arrangement of uh, – uh, Mike Smith and Mikko Koskinen that are, you know, $6.7 million cap hit between them. Well, Mike Smith and Stuart Skinner as a tandem would be just under $3 million. Like that's a, just a massive uh, savings. And uh, that might help them resolve the uh, Yassipul-Yarvi conundrum. Indeed. My um, my best surprise has been Cody C. Mm-hmm. He signed a... a f- excuse me, a four-year deal at $3.25 million. And I was worried. I hadn't seen him play, but the word out of Toronto and Ontario was so negative about the player that it, it just made me wonder, oh, geez. And, and the other thing that had me worried, Bruce's little decade of darkness, PTSD with defensemen, 
I mean, um, how many times did the Oilers bring in a, a veteran free agent defenseman and that defenseman fall on his face or trade for one? So, you know, the quick list, Mark Fain, Curtis Foster, Nikita Nikitin, Andrew Ference, Nick Schultz, a lot of guys there that just did not in the end uh, come through for the Edmonton Oilers. So I was worried more, <laughs> excuse me, more of the same with um, Cody Cece. And what I've seen instead is a defenseman who is at least earning, he's he's at least value on that contract this year. He's only 27. So, you know, that's a good age for a defenseman. So looking forward for four years, if he can con- consistently keep playing the way he is, he's taking top four minutes and he's consistently playing strong defense and his offense is just fine as well. He, all of the concerns that I heard out of Toronto and, and Ottawa, I'm not seeing that player in the least. Um, someone who made the big mistake, someone who was erratic out there, not at all. And he's playing a fairly tough competition as well. So Cody Cece to me has been a very important surprise and the best surprise because of the length of his contract and what, what it would have meant for the orders if he, if he doesn't come through, if he didn't come through, it would have been a real, real problem with Adam Larson, especially leaving. That would have been massive, but uh, he has stepped up, stepped up big time. Yeah, he was. A, he's a nice ad at a at a, a fairly reasonable price. I mean, he got he got a reset last year in Pittsburgh at a low contract, and he was never going to get renewed at that price for any length of time, however, because he had a very good year in Pittsburgh. And whether he's just matured as a player, or whether it's a case of Ottawa and Toronto fans uh, being Canadian hockey fans, uh, set the bar very high at what they expect and uh, uh, don't. Uh, uh, you know, don't take mistakes lightly. You know, there 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 are high demands for playing in Canada, and I think that that holds in any market. We certainly see it here at times. But uh, uh, you know, now he's 27 years old, and he's got all that experience behind him, good and bad, uh, in Ottawa and elsewhere. And and uh, I think we're getting the heart of his career. So in that sense, uh, it's uh, uh, that looks to be. Uh, uh, a player who's going to be able to help this team and, uh, you know, sort of the second pairing or, or uh, leading the third pairing role over the next four years. And at that price, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's not over the top at all. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like in Pittsburgh last year, the verbal was really good. Like what people wrote about at Cody CC out of Pittsburgh last season, they consistently strong reviews. So I'm not sure if he got a bit of a bad ride in Toronto and maybe in Ottawa kind of for the on ice analytics analysis you know i i you you might agree with this i i think chris russell has gotten way too much criticism based on a few on ice numbers where he doesn't stack up very well and i i, I don't actually think those numbers represent his play overall play very well and he he's better than what what they suggest and i just i'm curious if that also happened with cc in toronto and maybe in ottawa I, but again i don't know i didn't see him play in those cities so i can't say that's just a hunch but in Pittsburgh, because he did have weaker analytics on ice analytics in those in Toronto and Ottawa, Pittsburgh he actually had pretty good on ice analytics if you go by that. But um, when you see across the board all kinds of hockey observers who go by those numbers and who don't put so much weight in them, saying he was good last year, if I had dug a little bit more deeply at the time of the signing into those um, what those people had to say, I might have been more uh, bullish on his signing at the time. But he's mm-hmm. certainly come through. Bruce, uh, we are now in your worst 
surprise, worst surprise. So it can't be a disappointment, biggest, dis but worst surprise. <sighs> yeah. Uh, well, they're kind of, they do kind of overlap surprise and disappointment, don't they? I mean, what you were expecting versus what you're getting. Um, yes. And um, I was <laughs> expecting more from some of the off-season si signings. Uh, and I will say, uh, just to take a little bit of the edge off to start, we're seeing some very positive uh, um, trends from these guys just in the last little while. But I'll say Derek Ryan, uh, Warren Fogel were uh, guys that when they came in, they were, you know, brought in to really uh, strengthen the third line. And the third line was in the tank for a better part of 20 games there. Uh, they had a few good games at the start, and they, again, had a couple of good games last week just as the team was trying to pull itself out of that six-game losing streak. Uh, but the uh, overall contribution of the bottom six, well, I guess you can't say that as a surprise because that's been a constant story on this team for many years. But it's uh, it was supposed to get better, and instead it has actually trended worse this year, and that's not the kind of surprise you know, one wants to have happen. All right, I'm just looking up uh, some numbers for my worst surprise here. So just give me yeah. one second. And what do we got going on here? They don't seem to be the numbers that I want. I'm looking for points per 60 at even strength. Because um, I guess my worst surprise, Bruce. Oh, I see what I did wrong. Is the dynamite line. Yeah. I I expected that line if they got a real run of games together um, to be strong, to really crush it. Now, I think actually, they're, if I'm not mistaken, I think their goals plus minus might not be that bad. But... Um, Hasn't been good lately. But overall, that, it's pretty good because they, they did come out of the gate hot. They were on uh, uh, a so-called PDO heater for okay. a while. And then... So Leon Dreisel has been fantastic. At even strength, he has 3.09 uh, points per 60, which is, if you're over three, you're essentially a superstar at even strength. Score, superstar attacker in the NHL. Um, McGabe is at 3.06. Pulley-Yarvi, 2.54. Zach Cassian, he's 2.09, surprisingly. Pretty high number there. Hyman, 1.92. If you're if you're around two, you're you're a, a strong top six forward in terms of point scoring. This is a small sample size, of course, early right. in the year, and uh, subject to change. But Bruce Yamamoto, uh, after a really poor season, even strength scoring last year, and Nugent Hopkins' really poor season, even strength scoring this year, they're not improving. And um, Yamamoto's at zero point seven four. Nugent is at one point three. So Yamamoto, um, now they're both, again, they're chipping in on more scoring grade A shots at even strength. So there, there's a bit of puck luck involved here, which is bad puck luck. Bruce, um, Yamamoto is a young player. He's not signed to a big deal. If he doesn't pan out, he doesn't pan out. Maybe he's going to turn it around in the second half of the season on the attack and do a lot better. Nuge is on an eight, first year of an eight-year deal. He's coming off a terrible even strength scoring season last year where he was even weaker. 
this is getting into I'm worried about this country mm-hmm. with Ryan Nugent Hopkins at even strength. His inability to break through as an effective attacker at even strength. This is a year and a, a year and a half now. Um, now they're truncated. That last year was truncated. But um, this is a problem for the Edmonton Oilers. It's something that I thought would be rectified with different line mates. It, ha- it really hasn't been. He's got to find a way to dig in and find a way to score more points at even strength. He's a big disappointment at even strength. And it's and it's um, hidden somewhat by his absolutely spectacular play on the power play, where, where he regularly turns copper into gold. Um, but at even strength, I don't know, Nuge, like, figure it out. Like, there, he's got to figure out a way to put up more points. And that and it probably involves playing a harder game um, around the net. He's, you know, the old adage about perimeter players. I think this applies. I think it's a fair comment on Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And he's going to have to change the style of his game to start creating more points. That would be, that's what I would say. All right. We are moving on to your favorite order. Yeah. We're not supposed to pick favorites. Aren't we supposed <coughs> to be like totally impartial and all this? Well, we tried to do when we tried when we rate the scoring chances. We have systems in place to correct for our bias, but I think to deny that we have favorite players is, well, for me, it would be a lie, and uh, okay. that's why we have the correction for bias. That's why we make it public, and you go over my work, and I go over your work, and go ahead. Who's your favorite okay. order? Well, as a fan blogger, uh, I guess I'm allowed to be a fan, and. Uh, yeah. Uh, my favorite player, uh, pretty much since he got here, is Leon Dreisaitl. I uh, always loved Leon's game. His uh, uh, He brings a whole lot of things the team needs, so let's start with that. Putting the size down the middle, uh, a, a little bit of swagger, uh, a, a, uh, a tremendous uh, versatility that he brings, his capacity to play center, either wing, uh, either special team, either goalie out situation, overtime. Uh, he's a player, you know, to, to to do some of the grunt work like the Fogo role, face off, get off, because he's the best face off man on the team. They'll they'll use him for the odd 10 or 15 second shift to just look after that aspect of things. And uh, but that aside, like. The game that he brings, his ability to pass the puck forehand or backhand side, his capacity as a finisher, uh, his ability to get down and dirty when the when uh, when the going gets rough, he can he can bring a little bit of that stuff himself, and, and just the overall uh, massive uh, package of skills that uh, Dry Saddle brings. Plus the fact I have him in my keeper league, so every point he scores is a point for me. So. What's not to cheer for? <laughs> I'd say, Bruce, in our in terms of rating our grade A shots, if there's one player that we consistently disagree with the most, it's Leon Dreisaitl, where I'm harder on him on defense. than And we, we often disagree if he's made a mistake on grade A shots. So it's good there's two of us doing it, is all I'm saying, when it comes to Leon. And I'm not saying I'm right, but it, it is, that is, we, we often defensive, disagree. His defensive game is, is uh, 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 it's part of what, I guess, whether you like man coverage or puck, he's a puck. He plays a puck, and he makes good plays on the puck, and he gets beat on the puck. And we we do have uh, we do have moments where we uh, clash on whether he's responsible or whether it's just 
uh, also in frame or what the what the issues are. I think on the offensive side, we're basically in full. We, we we always agree. And and I listen. I love the player too. He is one of my favorite Edmonton Oilers hockey players. He is su- such a fantastic player. In fact, I've been saying uh, since about the tenth game that he's the MVP of the Oilers so far mm-hmm. this year. I'll hold to that. And that's saying mm-hmm. a lot, of course, when you have Connor McDavid on the team. Um, <clears throat> who would you guess is my favorite player, Bruce? Can you guess? Your favorite player on the Oilers. Uh, well, I'm going to guess Chris Russell, David. <laughs> no, no, I do defend him. I do yeah, defend well, him. Well, we both do, actually. <clears throat> yeah, we both do. And so does Kurt Levins, our cult of hockey colleague. But it's not Chris Russell, um, although I, I see more good in his game than some do. My favorite, and, and I actually had a fairly hard time with this because I, I like a lot of the players. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a few that I don't like, but <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But I'm going to say... And even though he has had his struggles this year, I I, I tend to like the up and coming player. So I'm going to go with Evan Bouchard as my favorite player this right. year. Uh, he's someone I really do root for a lot because I think he has such tremendous potential. But I also I have a certain amount of fear around his game in that I'm worried he's going to get swallowed up by... Um, a combination of factors, too many glaring mistakes at a young age, which which he's had a number a number of them. But maybe there'll be some kind of analytic. Like I, Bruce, let me be blunt here. I think on ice analytics do the worst job of, with defensemen, and they really mislead people and can lead to a lot of criticism of players that don't deserve it. So I'm worried that, and I haven't looked at his numbers. I, th- I think they actually been pretty good as on ice analytics numbers, which are which which that's I'm glad because I think that that can lead to a lot of heat on a player. So. I, you know, I saw it with Justin Schultz, where a, a very similar player got eaten up in Edmonton and, you know, essentially run out of town. Um, he ran out of chances with the fans, for sure. They, they were fed up with him. I wasn't. I liked the player. I saw what he could bring to the team. I, and, I, and, I, and I wasn't surprised to see him succeed in Pittsburgh. So my fear with, I have this rooting interest in him not going down that path. I also think he's a best, better player than Justin Schultz. Um, he's he's bigger. Um, he's as good a skater. He's got a better shot. He's a better passer. He's a better player all around than Justin Schultz, who became a pretty good player. So I'm hopeful that he's going to develop into kind of a special player for the Oilers. And it's really important that he does because the Oilers need more really they need more All Star defensemen. The, you just can't win. It's difficult to win with <clears throat> Darnell Nurse playing at a really high level, but really no one else. Like, you need some all-star defensemen. We need him to be our Shea Theodore, our Alex Peter Angelo, and he could he could develop into that player still. That's how much talent he has, and um, we'll see if that happens or not. We heard a good review of his game from Jim Playfair on the excuse me, on the Spinning Chicklets podcast, which mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to, I still may write up a summary of that. It was very interesting. Uh, Playfair's interview with uh, with Whitney and uh, what's the guy, Bissonnette, the uh, the other host Biz of that. Biz Nasty, yeah. Yeah, Biz Nasty. They talked about um, Duncan Keith uh, mm-hmm. in interesting terms. Um, anyway, he's my favorite player. What did I say about Duncan Keith? They said something I didn't agree with, and I usually find myself agreeing with everything Jim Playfair says. 
-hmm. He says he watched the video of Duncan Keith last year and he noticed he wasn't getting involved in the attack. In fact, he had his skates turned the wrong way in the offensive zone as if he was going to like head back to cover. Keith didn't even realize that. So they've worked a lot on getting him more involved in the um, offensive game. I agreed with that and I've seen that and I've really liked Keith's offensive play with the puck on his stick. But Playfair said he still sees him as really fast <clears throat> and agile from the uh, like the ring at line down or the dots down. Uh, they don't have the ring at line in the NHL, but from the dots down in the NHL, like really fast and able to cover off on defense. And I haven't seen that. I I I've, I see some speeds. I see at least league average speed there and okay speed, but I'm seeing a lot of Duncan Keith getting beat um, below the dots in his own zone. And um, I'm not seeing out of this world agility down there. I'm seeing a player who's often a step behind the play if I'm completely honest, I don't know if you see it the same way, Bruce, maybe, maybe that's just me, but that's what I'm seeing. So, um, <coughs> I disagreed with Playfair. Do I used to see him as a player. You could, you could shoot the puck behind him and he'd just go and get it and make the turn in the corner and come out clean with it. And I'm not seeing that player at the advanced stage that, that he is now. And I think he can, he can be beat with wide speed and, and he's, you know, if you get the puck behind him, you can, pro if not beat him to the puck, at least, you know, saw off and then create a puck battle. It's not like he just comes out clean, like, uh, you know, we've seen too in Chicago. Shoot the puck into Keith's corner, and the next thing you know, Keith would be making a headman pass the other way with some clean air in front of him, you know. So, so the, yeah, we're seeing him the same. The, <clears throat> The next question, I was going to ask you your least favorite Oiler, but I think we're going to pass on that. It's Christmas. Let's not let's not okay. go there. Let's not go there tonight. Um, Oilers MVP, Bruce. I, I've said my vote right now would be for Leon Dreisaitl. Who would you vote for? Uh, MVP? I'm going to go with the other guy, okay. Connor McDavid. And it's close. I mean, it's, it's wonderful to have two players that are so good as those two top two scorers in the league again. And I mentioned all the different things that Leon does. Uh, I think uh, what McDavid does that sets him a little bit apart is uh, he he soaks up the most top-level competition. I think the other team's game plan uh, to stop McDavid. And then the, the, uh, uh, the challenge for Dave Tippett and the Oilers is to... Uh, it, is to best deploy the other uh, players against the weaker opponents because McDavid is getting the top defense pair of the top checkers. And uh, he's, you know, he's winning that battle, not by as much as I frankly would like, but I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's just a constant play driver and uh, a scoring chance creator. And, and uh, I think getting better as a defensive player is still the odd, uh, issue here and there, but uh, uh, he's, uh, uh, I think uh, his two-way two game is picked up, and he's, I mean, he's the face of the team, and so I'll, I will pick him by a minuscule margin over your guy, just so we can have a discussion here. Yeah, I'll pick Leon Dreisaitl by the uh, length of his hockey blade over Connor McDavid's length of his hockey blade. It's just a bit ahead. Actually, that's quite a bit ahead if you go by the hockey blades. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I like Leon's and as much as I criticize Leon's defense I like his I think he's been a better defensive player this year than um, McDavid 
and their offense is pretty close. So I, I have to give Lee on the edge because of that. <clears throat> As great, I mean, there's no better attacker in the NHL than Connor McDavid. And I actually don't think it's that close, even though the point scoring race is close. I think uh, he's amazing. Although Leon is amazing too. All right, Bruce, the last question on our list. What is the top, if you had to make the, if you had to say right now, so you can't say like this could change or I'm uncertain. You got to say right now, if the, if the orders, what is their top trade need? Now you can project into the future, but you have to pick right now what you think it's going to be or what you think it is. One of the, what do you, what do you think it is? Based on everything you're seeing so far. I'm still looking at three C and thinking that's a spot that we have not filled to satisfaction for a long, long time. And, uh, whether I mean maybe that's a trade they can actually make internally into the sense of let's let's say let's look at Ryan Nugent Hopkins objectively and say well he's not really pushing the envelope as an offensive player and his pay grades come down a little bit that he's actually not out of line with some of the elite three C's on other teams uh, maybe it's time to reset and to go one two three with uh, with those uh, three players. And uh, and surround them with the you know the, the right balance of the wingers, which is a little bit more depth in the in the winger department. Um, but otherwise, uh, Ryan McLeod is young. Derek Ryan is old. Who do you have that's in the heart of their career that's ready to soak up those big minutes? And uh, as mentioned, uh, you know my unpleasant surprise earlier in the year is that they still haven't solved that problem is more unpleasant than a surprise but it's uh it's time it got solved it's asking a lot of colton sevier to do it i mean i think he might actually fill in as a 4c and get the job done he's like in terms of he i could have mentioned him but cc's a more important player (laughs) but sevier has been a huge surprise to me he's their new matt Hendricks and is really coming on for this team so i you kind of sold me i've been hesitant on the nugent hopkins idea but just looking at his even strength scoring on the dynamite line, he ain't getting it done. He hasn't got it. He didn't get it done with McDavid. He didn't get it done with Dreisaitl. Maybe the thing is to put some pressure on him to be the driver of a line and step up for this team. Because like, I remember when he was put at center in the fourth game against Winnipeg, he had his best game ever in the playoffs for the Edmonton Oilers. He Mm -hmm. really was strong at center. And it was because he was, you know, twisting that throttle a little harder he was wor- taking more responsibility, working harder and playing a grittier game and maybe thrusting him into the three C role is exactly what he needs at this point to say, listen, buddy, you've got to find a way here to become a, a plus player at even strength. And we're going to, we're going to give this a go because it's a big need on the team. We need mm-hmm. someone to do this and we think you can do it. And I actually think he can do it. I think he could be the three C. Um, he's a very smart hockey player. He's a very skilled hockey player. So um, it's going to come down to, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in his head um, in terms of his even strength play. And I don't, you know, but I, I do think he's someone, if you, my read of him is he's a very responsible person and he's willing to do a lot for the team. And if you asked him to like take on the shoulder, this responsibility, step up for the team in this role and kill it. Be the best 3C there is in the NHL. Put that challenge to him. Um, he could probably, he, he might be able to do it. 
and um, get the right, you know, there's lots of wingers now. There's there's more wingers than they've had in the past. And you can trade for wingers more easily. There's also Dylan Holloway um, if he can come back from injury. So maybe that is, I've been hesitant because I don't like him as 2C. I don't think, I don't think he's up to it uh, on the attack. And um, so I, but I, at 3C, when there's a little less pressure on, like where, where his fundamental role will be to cover off great attackers, play solid defense. Yeah. I think there's a, a chance and then chip in with the odd point. 1.3 per 60 even, uh, which is what he's gotten so far. For a 3C, if you're shutting him down on defense, oh, that cuts it. That cuts it. So I like I like that idea, Bruce. I like yeah, it Well, he has been playing plenty of center. I mean, that game in Winnipeg wasn't out of the out of the ordinary. And that he, he winds up at center every time <clears throat> Yeah. pairs up Connor and Leon, which is a lot. And frankly, it's a it's a um, it's a default in-game adjustment that the coaching staff does first and foremost every time they're in in a situation in a game. They just automatically seem to pair up Connor and Leon. Uh, I'm at the point because the pairing has not been all that effective this year. Certainly not as an outscoring duo. I'm at the point where. Let's save that for the, you know, the shift after the power play. I, you know, like I can see the reasoning in that. Uh, um, but let's go with the power one-two down the middle, because uh, um, when Nuge does play two C, he usually winds up with Hyman and Yamamoto typically on his line, and Hyman's a, you know a good scoring winger, and Yamamoto, the first-round draft choice with a history of scoring, and the three of them together do squat. Like they never score. I you wonder know, if, I, if if the uh, if they put Connor and Leon together, they better score because the second line isn't going to, and the third and fourth yeah. line are never going to. So you know, it's it's really putting all your eggs in one basket. And I I kind of like maybe thinking it's time is to go one two three with those guys and stack up the guys. You know, the Paul Yarvey, who we haven't mentioned yet, and and he's been a I think a very pleasant. Uh, I'm surprised by that growth in that player. Wow, Zach Hyman, uh, Fogel, you know, you do have some wingers that you can you can pair these guys up with. Uh, uh, maybe it's time to go that way because, uh, you know, it's we're five years now into this uh, three coaches deep in this business of Leon with Connor some of the time and not some of the time. And how much further ahead is the team? Maybe it's time to sort of reset and let's let's go with, uh, instead of a top six, let's really focus on going with the top nine with those three guys as your kingpins on each of the three lines. So is your trade suggestion 3C still then? Or are you going with Nuge yeah, there? Well, it's it's an internal trade or it's an external trade, but they got to they got to fix that problem. And I sort of threw the Nuge thing out there as an alternative to making a trade to get such a player, which is damn hard to do at any time, but especially uh, in season. There, people aren't just sort of dangling three Cs out there and saying, "Here, take my guy." I mean, you might be able to find a, 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 a you know a Pajot the way the Islanders did from the uh, from the Senators a couple of years ago, and they paid dearly for him, and then they paid dearly to extend them but you know i mean to get that caliber of player they don't come cheap i mean the nuge contract is actually not that far out of line from the pajos and the danos and the gourds of the nhl that are elite quality three c's yeah so i was going to pick three c as well but since mm-hmm. we've kind of thoroughly discussed that okay 
<clears throat> I'll go. I'll go with the goalie. Okay. And this is the. Um, uh, it's the other obvious thing. If, if Mike Smith doesn't come back, they need a goalie. And what are the chances of Mike Smith coming back and being the player he was last year? I'll say through a playoff run, through through a playoff run in the regular season and the playoffs, it's probably about 30 to 40% chance that he's that guy, that he gets over his injuries. That's not high enough, really. Um, when, when you have a team that can compete for the cup, and um, now you could go with Skinner and Koskinen behind him, and that's a pretty big risk, though. So I'll say goalie. And, um, you know, of course, in this situation, we'll know more in a, in a month and a half with Smith. Right. <clears throat> we will see if he can come back after Christmas here. And, you know, it's been waiting, waiting, waiting. And it's starting to be more and more doubtful, doubtful frankly, um, that he's going to come back. And But we'll see. There's still time. And uh, he was fantastic last year. Maybe he can crank it up again. And he, he's such an electric, charismatic player. The team's completely different when he's on the ice. Um, it's a it's a much more fired up team. I think he's their leader. And it would be so it, it would be great if he can be that. But if not, they need another goalie, and they need it more than anything else by far. So um, I'm going to say that's their top need. And um, Maybe not that difficult to fill up. There's always, you know, at the, at, you might have to give up a first pick, but um, you could get a really good goalie because there's always teams out of the playoff run, playoffs that have goalies. So uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, Bruce. I think we've done our list. Okay. Well, we didn't have to do our least favorite, though. I'm actually not. I'm good with that on Christmas Eve. That's, Me too. Uh, save our criticism for when we have games to discuss again hopefully sooner than later but uh the jury remains out on that score as well after uh, three games postponed this week would not surprise me in the least to have a couple more put off uh right after christmas i wouldn't mind given that the owners will be without what darnell nurse pulio rv who else um nuge nuge logason if they come back keith um keith so that's yeah, they're missing out. They're missing a lot of regulars. So if if they if if there's one more game put off, that works certainly works for me. I don't know if Zach Hyman's ready or not, but uh, <coughs> we'll find out, I guess. And if there isn't uh, Oilers, we'll have the World Junior Tournament. We um, hope. Watch. Well, I think is there a COVID test positive? Uh, test? Yeah, there was. Yeah, I heard, and I never got the details. So I just heard somebody yesterday. There was a positive test in one of the uh, pre-tournament games that was played to be played yesterday got cancelled. That was I've been running around doing Christmas type things, so I haven't really got the full story there. Other than there was concern that uh, COVID had reared its ugly head. Yeah, and uh, you know if there's, I think we know a couple things for sure about Omicron, that it's far more contagious than the previous variants, and it's less. It's we don't know to the extent that it's less lethal than Delta, but we know that it's less less lethal at this point. But I'm um, just seeing if there's any news that I can quickly call up here. Uh, Czech Republic and Switzerland game canceled ex- exhibition game. So if it's the Omicron, you know, I, I, I think it's fair, safe to say now that there was Omicron transmission in NHL games. <laughs> Seems like there. Uh, there's a high correlation, I'll put it that way, Bruce, between NHL teams playing each other and, and Omicron outbreaks, it seems to me. So 
that probably happened. Alrighty, Bruce, let's leave it there for uh, the pre-Christmas podcast. Mm. Merry Christmas to you, Bruce. Merry Christmas to all Cult of Hockey uh, listeners to the faithful. Bruce, thanks for talking. All right. Merry Christmas to you, David, and to all the listeners. Thanks for listening. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.